you on the platform for your ministry. Thank you for your giving to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. This evening, if you have your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 4. Amen. We had a wonderful time in the house of God this morning. Can you say amen? Really felt God here helping us. Amen. So thank God for that and praise God. Let's keep it going. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4. If you were here last Sunday night, I preached on Discord. And, um, and so as I was praying about what tonight or what to, to preach tonight, I really felt God impress on me to preach about unity. And so tonight I want to speak about that because as I was pondering this, I began to wonder why God was so big on unity. You know, he could have chose a lot of other things to be really big on or heavy in his word in. Uh, but, each, you know, one of the things that he's really big on is unity and being unified as a body, as a church, as, as people together to worship him. He's really big on unity. And I began to think about the earth, the unity between the laws of the earth. Though they are different, still working in unison, Within the earth, talking about, amen, gravity and, and different laws, scientific laws that we have, though they are different, but yet in unison in the earth. Thinking about the seasons, amen, that we have working together to produce something, though they are different, yet working together. Thinking about our bodies, even the human body, made up of many things, great and small, yet all working in unity. See, the elements of the earth, all different, but working in harmony, our bodies, amen, all different types of things going on within our body, yet working in unity, it is easy to see that God is into unity. Even going big picture, looking at the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, working together in unity, yet in three different persons. So it's safe to say that God is into this. And so I want for a moment to, to really hone on unity. Because we, preached, we spoke about discord. Now let's talk about how do we get to unity. Amen. So in our Bibles, Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to read verses, amen, 1 through 6. And let's see what the Word of God tells us. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. The Bible tells us this. I therefore... The prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Unity tonight. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you, God. I thank you for the gathering of men and women, God. I thank you for your spirit. And I pray, God, let this message go forth. Let it sink into the hearts of men and women. Let it grow to fruitfulness in our lives. God, in our churches, God, I pray, help us tonight. And I pray, God, by your spirit, give understanding to this element of unity. We thank you. And in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Unity in the church this evening. Unity in the church. Let's start, start with the starting point. 
In Ephesians 4, 1, what I just read to you, the Bible says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing, one, uh, bearing with one another in love. I find it interesting that Paul starts here. That as the verses go on, we'll begin to see unity, but it starts with the person and the calling. I want you to think about that. The word calling here speaks of what God wants us to do. Whatever that may be, amen, this is not just preaching or pastoring, amen, but it is simply saying, God, I will do what you're asking of me. This is what he is talking about when he's speaking of calling him. Whatever the duty is, whatever God is bringing us to to do, that's what he wants us to do. Can you say amen? So when you hear calling, it's not always just preaching or pastoring. But God is asking for something to be done, and he's asking it from you and I. Notice how Paul starts the chapter, I therefore, uh, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord. I a prisoner, and why was he a prisoner? Because he was walking in his calling. The reason why he was a prisoner is because he was doing what God called him to do, and in that calling, it caused him to go through a couple, a couple of things. We know that he was going to because of Acts chapter 9, verse 15. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine, speaking of Paul, to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and children of Israel. For I will show him many things he must suffer for my namesake. So this is part of his calling. So Paul is starting the chapter by letting them see that Paul has laid down his will for God's will. In other words, unity starts with you and I living in obedience to what God has called us to do. Did you hear what I said? That unity first starts with making sure that me and you, us, that we are living in what God is calling us to do. That first unity starts with obedience to God before it ever starts with you and I. John 15 and 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I, kept, uh, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. John 4, 15 and 14. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. How many know that's pretty basic? That God is saying, listen, this is what I'm calling to do. And in that, when you abide in that, amen, when you are obedient to that, there is a unity that is beginning to form between us and God. Can you say amen? That in that, if you are unified with my will, and not only that, you are my friends if you do what I command you to do. We are in unity as long as you are following me. This is speaking of obedience. When there is obedience to Christ, it is there that unity is formed. To be obedient is to fall in line with what Christ is calling his church to do. Which creates the atmosphere of unity. Have you ever noticed, amen, that in the monk, amongst even rebellious people that there's no unity even among the rebellious that even though they're rebellious and everybody's in rebellion yet, they'll cutthroat each other? Because there's no unity, right? The, the old saying goes, there's no honor among thieves. 
Right? Why? You, you see what I'm talking about? That rebellion always sparks uh, the opposite of unity. But obedience, amen, sets the tone for unity. So the question is, are you being obedient to Christ? So here we see that obedience or unity starts with obedience. Then Paul says in verse 2 this, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, uh, bearing with one another in love, with humility and gratefulness, we walk in our calling. Can you say amen? It's a lower thinking of ourselves and just a thankfulness because we don't deserve it. Somebody shout amen. Like the grace that God has shown us, we don't deserve it. Amen. We don't deserve what he has done for us. Even in the midst of our rebellion. Even in the, huh? Even in the midst when we don't do right. Even in the midst when we fall short, that even there, God, amen, still shows us grace at times, amen. And this is what Paul is saying, like, listen, realize that you don't deserve this calling, but yet God has called you for it. Romans 12 and 16, be of the same mind towards one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. See, the other part of your calling is now dealing with the people of God. See, oftentimes we think that calling only deals with what God is calling us to do personally, individually. But the other part of that, as Paul is showing us, is now it deals with people. That's okay. You guys say amen. Don't worry about it. It's true that now people, amen, they're a part of our calling. They're a part of what God wants us to do. Paul says with long-suffering. This is now gearing towards people to be long-suffering, which means to patiently endure. To patiently endure others with love. Amen. To be slow to wrath. Uh-oh. Huh? To be slow to wrath. That means, amen, that when somebody wrongs you or you feel like you got wrong, it doesn't mean you go, you know what, time to pull out the swords and play fruit ninja. It's time to cut you up until I feel that I am satisfied. But what it is time for is to step back and go, wait a minute, brother, because that's what we're supposed to be. Wait a minute, sister. Before, wait a minute, slow down, hold on. Being slow to wrath. And this is what the calling of God is for us to each other. And not to punish a person for wrong. This is what creates unity. So if somebody wrongs you, now you don't talk to them no more. How many know you're trying to punish them? And what Paul is saying is that, no, 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 no. Be long-suffering with love and endurance. Go, you know what? Yeah, you may be crazy, but you know what? I'm not that far off either. Because that's what he's saying. Be low key of your mind. Don't think of yourself way up here and everybody down here. You're just as crazy as the people who you think are crazy. You're just able to hide it at home. They can't. <laughs> but this is part of our calling. To be patient with others in love, realizing that God has been patient with you and I. I want you to think about that for a moment. How patient has God been with you? Like, like, what's the measurement there? 
of how pay, come on somebody, how many times has God told us go left, we go, I'm going right. I mean, how many times have we blatantly, blatantly rebelled against God? I mean, how many times have we done things that we know are wrong, and in the midst of doing it, we say this is wrong, and yet we still do it. And how many know you're still alive? And how many know there was a grace that was shown? Like, how patient has God been with you and I? Well, however patient he's been with you is how patient you need to be with your brother or sister. Now listen, let me, let me make, before I move on, let me make something clear here. I, I, I'm not saying get beat up and then come back to church and be like, you know, he beat me up, but hey. <laughs> right? Like, right, there's a balance here, right? Like, you know, and, and so that's why there's leadership, and that's why we can go to pastor and, 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 and begin to talk things down. The Bible tells us to. So I'm not saying become just a, a, a real punch man. Somebody runs over you with the car, you're like, oh, that's all right. <laughs> just... Right? Let's not go overboard with it. But what Paul, but, but that's rare. Like, I haven't been hit by a car yet. It's rare. Won't say it won't happen, but it's rare. <laughs> but what I am saying is that, you know what, you need to be patient with people. That realize that, you know, people are working through things too. Let's move on. Let's talk about working for unity. Paul says in Ephesians uh, 4.3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. In this verse, there are two things I want to look at with you really quickly. First off is the word endeavoring. In the Greek, it means to make an effort, to be diligent. But it also means to be earnest. The word earnest means sincerity with intense conviction. So what Paul is saying here is this, that as you walk in your calling, make it a point, make it as important as any other conviction of yours to walk towards unity or togetherness, making sure that is done with diligence in sowing that unity. This is what Paul is saying. So when he says endeavoring, amen, this is what he is saying. Make sure that you are diligent day by day, amen, working towards not discord and growing apart, but growing together. And it must become a part of your being. In other words, you must always want to see unity. You must always want to be out for unity. That if you see division anywhere, that something rises up within you and says, no, I can't let that happen, then I will try to unify where I see division. But that means you must believe in unity. Can I ask you a question? Do you believe in unity? Even when people aren't like you? Even when they're different from you? Do you still believe in unity when they don't think or speak the way you speak? You know, I had a guy one time, <laughs> and I didn't know whether to be, uh, I didn't know whether to be like, felt disrespected by it or to, but he told me, he said, you know why I like you, man? I like you, man. I like you. I was like, oh, Okay. Why, you know, because you, you, know, you start, why you like me? Like, what, what are we talking here? <laughs> right? You know, that, hey, nowadays you got to ask. Like, what, what do you mean? He said, no, nah, man, I like you. Like, you know, like, you cool, man, because you from the hood. And I was like, what does that mean? 
You don't even know where I'm from. I never told you that. And I didn't know how to feel about that. I was like, what? Like, yeah, man, you know, these, these other guys I can't really relate to, but man, you just, you know, you just from the hood, bro. You just, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Nobody told you that, and why are you assuming that? <laughs> I didn't know how to take it. I was like, should I be happy? Like you. But a lot of times, that's how we are. We see things we want to associate with, and that's what we gravitate to. But that doesn't make it that we're unified. Because unity says we gravitate towards believers. We gravitate to those who are serving Christ. We gravitate towards those, amen, who are in the local body, who are going after it with everything in them. That's who we gravitate towards. Can you say amen? Not just people who come from our same backgrounds. That's why I love our churches, amen, because we're so diverse. And we have so many different cultures and so many different races and so many different backgrounds. And that's what makes it beautiful, amen, because mo let's be honest here. If it wasn't for the Spirit of God, half of us would not be hanging out together. <laughs> let's just be real about that. If it wasn't for the goodness of God, some of you in here wouldn't even talk to each other if this was the world. But we must endeavor to keep that. What God has brought us to, we must endeavor to keep that unity. Can you say amen? We must believe in it. So whatever you believe in, that's what you work towards. That's what you give yourself to. If you believe in your business, that's what you'll give yourself to. If you believe in your children, that's what you'll put, you'll give your, you understand what I'm saying? That whatever you believe in, that's what you're going to give yourself towards. And so if we believe in unity, how many know that's what we need to give ourselves towards? You know, I preached on Discord last week, so in this week, have you had a fellowship with somebody you didn't know? I'm going to look down, I don't even want to. <laughs> have you had a fellowship with somebody you don't know? Have you reached out to people who you never really talked to? Because we believe in unity. It bothers me not to know somebody's name. I hate that. I hate having to be like, hey, bro. And I'm embarrassed. I'm like, you know, you've been coming here like <laughs> for a year and I'm still. What's your name again? I, I, that, that bothers me. Because that's telling me we're not united. I don't even know your name. Philippians 2 and 2. Fulfill my joy by being like-minded. Paul speaking to the Philippian church. Having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Himself, let each of you look out not only for the, his own interests, but also for the interest of others. Listen to me, Paul is telling that church, you know what? Crucify what your desires, crucify your wants, and look out for someone else because that's what creates unity. To be willing to think about somebody else first before me. I have to be honest with you, church. There have been times, I like Salmon. And I like um, ice cream bars, you know, the chocolate, you know, like the sandwiches, the ice cream sandwiches. And I'm not going to say the couple because they're here. But I had two left. And I really like these ice cream bars. They're, they were the banana split ones. 
and I had two left. And when you have a family, you only get one of everything, right? You, you, right? We all figure, if you got kids and stuff, you know that if you got to buy a box of 16, you only get one. For some reason, dad gets one, and everybody else gets everything else, and I can't figure that out just yet. But, but I had two left, and I said, I'm going to eat these two. And, and I, don't, I think I said, yeah, I have some of these. And I, it was like, before I could catch my words, like, do you want some? Hoping that they would say no. Because this is my last two, man. And they were like, both of them say yes. I said, you got to be kidding me. And so as I'm going, I grab like this one and that one. And I'm like, no, I don't want to. I mean, I said it, but. I mean, that's how we can be. I just went grocery shopping. You want me to have all of them over? Yeah. Come on, somebody. But that's what create not thinking, thinking about others and not just thinking about myself and my comfort. And how many know, listen to me, it will take a willingness to crucify that flesh. It will take a willingness, amen, to, it takes work at times. It may not be easy, but the Bible tells us to strive for it. To, this is part of our calling. Notice here that he says, keep unity in the spirit, capital S. What Paul is getting at is that when dealing with wrongs, different personalities, dealing with issues, that we must always look to do as Christ commands us to do. In other words, we are to forgive. Can you say amen? We, can you say amen? We are to look and seek for peace and not conflict. Amen. To have unity of the spirit doesn't mean becoming robots, but more so it means that though we are different thoughts and ideas, we understand yet that the fruit of the spirit, amen, the fruit of God, who Jesus is, that is our core foundation no matter where we come from. Think of a tree. Many branches, big ones, small ones. Some have plenty of fruit, some have not as much. Sometimes even branches are even different colors and shapes. But yet, they're all bonded by the tree. That's you and I. That the tree is Christ, can you say amen? And we are the branches, amen. Some different, some bigger, some smaller, some a lot bigger. But no matter what it is, we are all coming together by the tree, by Christ. Can you say amen? amen. This is why Paul says in our text in verse 4 and 5, or 5 and 6, One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of, and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. He is making the point here, like, listen to me. In unification, amen, what unifies us is the one true living God, is the one true faith, amen, who is the Father of all of us, amen. We all have the same daddy in Christ. And that's what should unify us. This is what Paul is getting at. We are different, but the Spirit unifies us, and that is greater than our differences. Can you say amen? That the Spirit of God and who God is is greater than our differences. Once this type of unity is established, it will create peace within the body of Christ. Once we strive towards this, once we do this, amen, listen to me, there's peace here. Now look, 
I'm about to close here, but let me say this. There will be conflict. Okay? You're going to, hey, look, let's be honest. At some point, more than likely, you're going to get into it with me. That's fine. Look, some of you like, that's okay. You know why it's okay? Because siblings fight all the time. It's okay as long as we realize, no, we may have a difference, but we're not going to let that separate us. We're not going to let that bring us farther apart. Somebody say amen. We're not going to do that, amen. Okay, I believe you, but fine. But you know what? What unifies us is Christ, and I'm not going to let this molehill, amen, turn into a mountain. So it's not that we'll never have, you know, nobody will ever have a disagreement or nobody will ever. No, 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 it's not that at all. It's just that we have learned to seek unity and not war. Can you say amen? So let's close with the results of unity. There's a legend about a herd of mules. And this herd of mules was uh, attacked nightly by a pack of wolves from a nearby forest. When the wolves came, the mules began kicking viciously in all directions. Consequently, the mules maimed each other while the agile wolves escaped unharmed. Finally, a wise old mule called the rest together for a conference and made known his plans. That, uh, that night, the wolves came yelping from the forest as usual. But instead of the mules kicking, they ran and put their heads together in a circle and began kicking outward. The wolves were put to a fight and the mules did not harm, did no harm to each other. Listen to me. Christians need to get their heads together and kick outward against the forces of iniquity and evil. That is called unity, folks. The result is unity. It's not us seeing things and kicking all over and hurting each other, but it's coming together, amen, and kicking outwardly the things that are evil, the iniquities and various worldly things that we need to fight against as a body. Can you say amen? See, one part of unity glorifies God ultimately. But the other caveat is having, to having unity is that in unity we are able to come together to wage war on hell. Can you say amen? That we're able to wage war on the spiritual principalities that are trying, amen, to detour people, that are trying to oppress people, that are trying to chain men and women, that you and I can come together, amen, and as a body fight off those things. Thank God, amen, that when I first got saved that there was a unity unified body that sought to pray for new converts, that sought to pray for backsliders, that sought to pray for men and women to be healed and delivered, and through that we saw that very thing happen. Why? Because the body was united. So one part of being united is that we're able to fight together. How many know it's easier to fight with two or three than just one on 30? but it's to defeat spiritual principalities. Le uh, Leviticus 26 and 7. You will chase your enemies and they shall fall by the sword before you. Five of you shall chase a hundred. A hundred shall put uh, 10,000 to flight. Your enemies shall fall by the sword before you. This is a picture, amen, of coming together under God as a group to defeat the enemy. 
That's what that's. A, it's a picture that you know what together. Amen. Maybe by yourself, you weren't able to defeat it. But when you have other people believing God for you, when you have other people fasting with you and for you. Amen. It is there that God begins to do something corporately in the body. I can remember when I believe I got a phone call or a text message about uh, Sister Rosie's mom. We were in Portsmouth, and I remember we would put her on the prayer list, and I know here praying for her. And how many know we saw a miracle? A miracle. Now, I'm not saying it's not to our credit. Can you say amen? It's not because of how spiritual we are, but I believe that God honors, amen, when the people of God come together and believe God. As a group, how many know we can see nations turned? The gospel of Christ go forth. We can see this, amen, we can see this happen when the corporate body comes together. We see it with corporate prayer. Acts 12 and 5, and uh, uh, 12 and 5, Peter was there, uh, therefore kept in prison, but, in con but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Verse 7, now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in prison, in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side and said, uh, raised him up, saying, Arise quickly, and his chains fell off his hands. The church coming together for Peter and sees deliverance. How many know we can see people delivered when we come together? That is the beauty of unity. That if you have a need, if I have a need, if there's an issue, amen, that we can come together and believe God for each other. I thank God for everybody who prayed for me and my wife for a home and a job because now I have both. But I knew that people were praying for us. I could feel, I said, God, that's why, amen, though I was worried, I wasn't worried. I'm like, Lord, we need somewhere to stay. God's like, I got you. I'm like, okay, okay. I'm going to trust you, Lord. I'm going to walk in that walk. I'm going to talk that talk. Okay. But it was encouraging to hear, hey, Pastor, we're praying for you. Hey, we're, we're believing God for you. Listen to me. That did something. This is why we pray one hour before service together, because we're coming together saying, hell, you don't have no parts here. You don't have no parts in this service, and people are going to get saved. People are going to get delivered. People will be healed. And hell, you'll have to run from this place. This is why we worship together. Can you say amen? These things, amen, this unity causes things to happen. Joshua 6 and 20, so the people shouted with the pre when the priest blew the trumpets. And it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people uh, shouted with a great shout. They fell down flat. Then the people went up into the city and every man straight before him. And they took that city. The people walked in obedience, shouted unto the Lord, amen. And walls came crashing down because they were together walking in obedience obedience. Do you see what I am saying here tonight? That unity does have results. It's just not so that we can all just be best friends and sing kumbaya. No, we have a nation to take. We have a city to take. We have people that need salvation and they need a unified church to bring it to him. Matthew 6, 18, 16, 18. And I say to you that, Peter, uh, that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. What rock is that? The revelation of who Jesus is. I will build my church on that, and on top of that, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. 
That's our promise. Can you say amen? Hell will not prevail against the people who are obedient to Christ and walking in unity. Psalms 133.1, Behold, how good and pleasant, how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Listen to me, folks. That is the beauty of unity. And that's why we should endeavor and fight for it. Because there's a beauty in it. Can you say amen? There's a pleasantness in it. There's a peace in it. And there's an atmosphere created that other people can realize. You know what? If I can, I can walk in Christ too because I see how they love each other. What did Jesus tell his disciples? They will know you because you love each other. Tonight, folks, let's walk in unity. But not only let's walk in... Let's endeavor for it. Let's constantly strive for it. That means settling differences. That means going up to people who we have problems, whatever. But let's settle and say, God, I want to walk in unity. Because I want to fight against hell too. Can you say amen? Let's bow our heads before the Lord.